Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcityc.org slash students. We're starting a series that's called Radical. Uh, I don't know when, when you hear this word radical, what you think of. I don't know if you think about... Uh, uh, an, an extraordinary flavor of Doritos or like Mountain Dew Baja Blast, something that you might think. Who just said, oh, yeah? Are you kidding me? Riley, you like Baja Blast that much? Hey, just so you know, uh, I think Jacob was lobbying for Baja Blast to go into the machine out in the plaza. So might make your week next week. We'll see what happens. No promises. Hey, but our faith is, was founded with a radical love, is what was foundational to our faith. Our faith was founded by something that was done in a radical manner. This word radical means uh, like counter-cultural. Counter it was someone that was so convicted to the core of who they were that wanted to do something counter-culturally. And that's what Jesus did when he came to the earth. He did something radical. He did something that didn't make sense. It was God becoming man and loving us unconditionally. You know, two weeks ago, uh, we preached the gospel. We preached Christ crucified. Several students uh, responded and were obedient with baptism. We got several more of you students tonight that are taking the, that step as well. And we're excited about that because that's you responding to the love of Christ. And I was thinking about this week's message. I had a lot of time to think about it. I had a lot of road time over spring break. And I was thinking about this. Salvation through Christ comes free to us. There was no expense that we paid for our salvation. And it was designed this way. God didn't want us to get big egos thinking that we earned something. God didn't want us thinking that, that maybe we, we performed well enough that, that, that we deserved something from God. He didn't want us thinking that. He didn't want us to get prideful. So he made sure that we fully understood that salvation came to us at no charge to us. But it was a great expense to God. It was a great expense to God. It cost God uh, humility, pain, suffering, his blood, but to us it was completely free of charge. And for tonight's message, students, this idea of radical, and we're gonna talk about radical loss tonight, the cost of following Jesus. Because salvation comes free, but discipleship does not. It's like Jesus says, look, come, follow me. I wanna offer you salvation. Through me, through my blood, let me do the work. But the process of following Christ, you guys, that's where we run into the cost on our end. Uh, I read a book one time. It was called The Heavenly Man. It was, uh, it was a biography about a man whose name was uh, Brother Yoon. Uh, he was a young believer back in the 1950s. At 16 or 17 years old, he was hearing about this gospel, about this Jesus. 
And he was asking questions, going, I need you to tell me more about it. Tell me more. And people were saying, well, this is what's written in the Bible. And he would say, tell me where I can find this Bible. And Brother Yoon, at the young age of 16, 17, 18 years old, was so drawn to understand what the Bible said, he walked 35 miles in rural China so that he could be taught from God's word. God's word that we hold in our hand on our devices at no cost to you. God's word that we can find printed in every Walmart, any bookstore. Uh, You can get them for like two bucks online. God's word, he walked 35 miles to be taught from the Bible. And after that, he received Jesus. He received that free gift of salvation and understood that he was going to spend the rest of his life following Christ. Now, there's no way, I want to tell you this, there is no way that Brother Yoon knew at the young age of 19 or 20 what following Christ would mean for him as an adult man. And that's what I want to talk to you guys tonight is the cost of discipleship. Because after he was taught from that Bible, Brother Yoon said, I want to bring this hope to my nation, the nation of China, billions of people. What he proceeded to do was to memorize the book of John. He goes, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with memorizing the book of John. You guys that have all your Cardi B songs memorized and all of your, uh, uh, like, like who, I, I don't know, whoever else, whoever else you guys like, you got their music memorized. We think that we can't memorize things. You guys that think Spanish, uh, vocabulary is difficult. You guys could do that with flashcards. The dude memorized the book of John, so that he understood it completely and had it internalized. What he proceeded to do next is he walked into a village. Someone came up to him and said, Brother Yoon, I understand that that you know the gospel. We have people that want to hear it. He didn't know anything else to do, so you know what he proceeded to do? He stood in front of this, this family, this group of friends, and he recited the book of John. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's word, those families received Christ, the free gift of salvation. And Brother Yoon made it his life work to walk village to village, sharing the gospel, reciting the book of John, preaching hope, preaching free salvation. Here's what ended up happening to Brother Yoon. The Chinese government, which was uh, the communist Chinese government, was finding out about this church, this movement that was moving, and they they didn't like what was going on. So long story short, Brother Yun had been captured. He was thrown into prison. He wasn't just thrown into prison. He was thrown into prison with the worst of the worst criminals. The worst type of criminals that when they threw him into their cell, they used him for their toilet. And he was tortured, he was electrocuted, he was beaten. There was one moment when he was brought out in front of an accuser that said, tell us who your, who your leaders are. We want to know who the leaders of your church are. And he refused to do it, and a doctor came in, and they shoved pins, needles, nine-gauge needles, which are about the size of a ballpoint pen, the insides, they shoved them under his fingernails. And in his, in his bio- biography, this is what Brother Yoon said. 
He said, I was grateful that God showed me grace that after the third needle had gone into my finger, I passed out and I didn't remember anything else after that. He considered it a blessing that God would allow him to pass out so he wouldn't experience the pain. Brother Yoon eventually was released from prison, spending 10 years in prison not knowing his children. There is no way that Brother Yoon at the young age of 19 or 20 would understand the cost of discipleship. It was a radical movement. It was countercultural for him. Now we hear these stories, right? We hear these stories of the disciples in, in Scripture that were martyrs, that were killed for their faith. Uh, we, we hear stories of people centuries after Jesus died that were brought into the Colosseum in Rome and they were murdered there, or they were tortured, burnt at the stake, all of these things. And we tend to look at them as fictional stories. Sometimes it can be really hard for us to believe that someone would behave so radically that it would be countercultural. Now, there's a lot of buildup for what I'm getting ready to do next. And Emily, you're not allowed to be embarrassed, okay? Because I'm not comparing you to Jesus' disciples. I've got one of our students on the phone right now that she is on the other side of the globe. Uh, she's a part of the class of 2019. Uh, I do still claim you as one of our students, Emily, even though she moved after, wait, moved after your sophomore year. Is that right? I might as well introduce you so they don't think I'm making someone up, right? Can we put, can we get Emily up on the screen? You guys can say hi to Emily. See how this will work. Maybe, ooh, did I mess up, Taylor? Am I still on the right Wi-Fi? No, we should be there. Well, it might take a minute. I did connect to Apple TV, but I'll try it again. No, it says I'm connected there. I'll do it again. Are we there now? Aha! Here we go. Hey, this is old guy probs. You guys say hi to Emily. Yeah. Hey, so there were people, Emily, that were going, oh, hey, we know Emily. This is Emily Eggerling. Emily, did you move after your sophomore year of high school? Is that right? Yeah, I was in the middle of my sophomore year. Middle of your sophomore year. Can we get a little more volume on Emily, or is it going to mess things up big time? We're going to do a mic check on you, Emily, because we didn't want to do it at 5.30 in the morning. Okay. <laughs> That is much better. You said middle of, middle of your sophomore year? Yes. Cool. Mm -hmm. So I want to tell you guys a little bit about Emily, and then I'm going to ask her some questions. Emily is a part of the class of 2019. Uh, after she graduated. 2018. 2018. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. She's like, don't make me younger than I am. Uh, <laughs> hey, I can look at you here, so I don't have to be awkwardly looking okay. at the screen behind us. There you go. Um, <laughs> So after she graduated in 2018, she felt God's call. I'm going to put it this way, Emily. You felt that you needed to spend your first year following high school pursuing Christ uh, rather than pursuing school, career, stuff like that. Would that be a simple way to put that? Yeah. Okay, yes. cool. Um, so I sent you a few questions. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, oh, I can't swipe up on my phone to get to those questions. Do you remember what those questions were? Uh, Here's I what we're going to do. Go <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, Emily, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to um, introduce yourself to them and explain to them what you've been doing since September. I already introduced you. What have you been doing since, since September? 
Um, so I've been traveling from Costa Rica. I was there for three months, and then I went to South Africa for three months, and now I'm in Thailand for two months, and then I go to Myanmar for one month. And basically, I've been with 50 students just from all around the United States, and we all met up for one week and got trained and um, just had a big week of fellowship and, like, worship and got ready basically to go out on the field and I raised a lot of money so I could come and then I ended up coming out here and basically Jesus is just doing crazy things and I've just been doing ministry and just loving on people around and just doing whatever the community needs around here and also building like good relationships with my squad. So So how would you describe for them uh, like, give us a give us a basic overview because you let us know where you've been. Because I don't want them thinking you haven't been on like a seven month vacation. Like, no. So, what has your ministry been like to the people that you've been serving? Yeah. So each place has been different. Um, I think when I when I went to Costa Rica, it was a bit of a culture shock. That's kind of when it started. Is I was being surrounded by people that didn't speak my language and was just very, felt very uncomfortable in some ways because I couldn't communicate as well with them. And I learned very quickly, like, to just love them without communication and what that looks like and just how, like, even if you don't have the same language, you can still bring love and um, Jesus is there in the moments when you're having conversation with them. And I basically just um, ran, like, kids programs there and did after-school ministry for the students um, a lot of the kids were like based on government like funding and so we had to um, we were in like very dangerous neighborhoods and just going in there and starting these programs and just spending time with them and then in South Africa I did a lot of different things I um, I started with doing construction on a school they were building a new level of the school and so we got to work on that and then we went to um, this school for a couple weeks and I got to be like a student teacher and kind of just love on those kids and that was super Dude, how did cool. you get to teach? You're not even old enough to be like, you're barely, you're still a student. They let you teach. I know. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was third grade so it was kind of just like English and oh, okay. Um, Which you can just, speak that kind of. Yeah. You're, you're gooder at that than you are at speaking Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Definitely. Gooder. <laughs> I did so, that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so, so what I'd like to ask you as far as discipleship goes, um, how, old were you, how old were you when you would say that you surrendered your life to Christ? Like when you gave your life to Jesus and accepted salvation, when, when was that for you? Um, so like when I actually like gave my life to Jesus, was in that pool over there <laughs> when I was 13. Um, right. I got baptized, and right when I was, you know, I was there, and it's crazy because all you guys are sitting there, all you sixth graders, like, it's so cool because I was in your shoes and going to Element, and I absolutely remember that so, so well, like it was yesterday, so it's so cool, but I think, like, going throughout high school, it was a lot of, like, still going to church, still wanting to know more about Jesus and, like, grow and, like, understand my faith better. But it was all kind of, like, wrapped up in confusion because of identity and not really knowing who I was in Jesus and, like, really not fully, fully knowing who he was. And so it was more of, like, being a faith 
fan of him rather than being a follower of him. And then I'd say like my junior and senior year, I started to realize that it's not all about popularity. It's not all about like certain things in high school that you put your identity in. And me being a softball player, I put it so much in that. But then I realized like it's all about Jesus. Like it's all about what he's doing inside of me and how I can use what he's doing inside of me to affect others and how he's using me every day to love other people. And so I'd say like my senior year, I really started to devote my life to him and just by like changing who I hung out with and changing like my like plan because I had always pictured myself going to college right after high school. And so I, I don't know, I just felt a calling on my heart to do something different and to serve God for a year and really get a deeper understanding of my faith and who I am. And so, yeah, so, I'd say like my senior year. <laughs> yeah. So a couple questions about that. Did, did you imagine for one moment when you were a seventh grader walking into the baptistry here at third city that when you were 19, you would find yourself on the other side of the globe serving God instead of going to college? Did you, did that ever cross your mind? Honestly, no, <laughs> like, especially right after school, like, I was so driven in high school and very much like, I'm going to get my nursing degree, I'm going to be there for four years, maybe a couple extra years, I'm going to, you know, meet all the people, do all the things, and it was very much like the usual cultural norm that I was going to follow, but the, he just kept, like, planting into me, and I even remember one week at CIY, I wrote in my journal that I wanted to be a missionary and that I wanted to mm. do ministry. And like, I left that journal in my, like books on my bookshelf for the longest time. And then like, like three years ago, I opened it and I was like, whoa, like this is a dream of mine. And like, mm. he just kept like planting those seeds and like continuing to give me a desire to like travel and see all the cool things that he's doing around the world and all the things that he created and just see understand more of him in a whole new way and serve in a whole new way that's so. awesome one, one of the things so when we talk about people that are following jesus in a radical manner it's countercultural, and people would look at you and they'll go man emily emily you're, you're you're smart you have a plan like you would say you're you're driven uh why wouldn't you go straight to school so you you had to have dealt with peer like peer pressure of why are you doing this probably some pressure from teachers, I don't know, from relatives. Like, how did you deal with the pressure when you felt God calling you to do something radical? How did you deal with that pressure? Um, I'd say, like, especially from, like, non-believers that were surrounding me, it was a lot of, like, yeah, I'm so excited for you. But everyone was just kind of asking about the travel and just, like, oh, like, what is it that you're doing? And then I'd be like, oh, I'm talking about Jesus. And they're like, sweet. (laughs) So it was just a lot of like, but it was so cool because I saw their like, from the beginning reaction, even with my parents, their reaction was like, you're going to different countries. That scares me. Like, this is nuts, Emily. Are you sure about this? And this is a lot of money that you have to raise. Like, there's no way. And there's just a lot of like, things that I was actually already confident in. I was like, I know that this is going to what I'm, this is what I'm going to face. But like, I know that this is where the Lord has me. And so it was just like relying on that confidence that he had given me because I knew that he had placed that desire within me and that that's what he was having for the next chapter of my life. And as time, like I saw people like open their eyes and like just start to see more of Jesus 
in me and see like in what I was doing and just be proud and like excited and actually walking alongside me. So it was crazy seeing how it all changed and how all the money came in. Like it had to have been Jesus. So that's awesome. Hey, so, so here's the last uh, question that I would like to ask you. Okay. Um, how would you describe you, what it means to you to be a disciple of Christ? What that means to you? Um, I'd say just like living out every day, like giving your day up to Jesus and just saying like, what can I do today to serve you? And like, he's constantly like pruning my heart naturally, I've discovered, like just by me pressing into him, like he's naturally just showing me things that I can grow in. And he's like working through those things gracefully. And it's not like a forced thing. And it's something that is natural. And just out of me, like seeing Jesus as my best friend, like it brings on a whole new perspective of like, we're in this together. Like he's always present. And like, honestly, a lot of the days, like my faith is small. Like I'm like, I can't, I don't even understand what's going on. Like I'm sitting here sewing today yeah and like it's just every day of the same thing and I'm like is this really where you have me and you know those doubts come on and you're like is this really where I'm supposed to be but he always reaffirms and he always shows me the little moments when I press into him and like even those little moments turn to big moments and it's so amazing how he shows up even when I like he's strong when I'm weak type thing so I think the biggest part of what you just said that I want them to hear and remember is you said you know what I wake up each day going, okay, what does today hold for me? Like not Mm -hmm. planning too far ahead and just going, okay, today I belong to Jesus. What do you want me to do today, Lord? So, Emily, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, I'm just, you can say hi. You had to look at my face the whole time. You can wave at everybody now. Okay. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to hang up on you now. Because okay. because I could hear whenever you were shuffling on your chair. I don't know if they heard it, but I could hear it. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds it was really good. good talking to you. I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Something to think about. It's not just something. It is not just something that we read about and is fictional. People choose to live radical lives. And it's not necessarily, necessarily an overly complicated thing. You heard her say it was, I, I get up in the morning and I understand that this day belongs to Jesus. Today, my life belongs to Jesus in this moment. What is Jesus going to bring my direction for me to submit myself and be obedient to? Students, you may not know what lies ahead. You may not know what lies ahead. Jesus' followers were the same way. Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers. I would say one of his best friends. Jesus looked right at Peter and said, hey, what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He was the first one to acknowledge that in that way to Jesus. And he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Peter understood who Jesus was, but there was more to it than this, because shortly after, Jesus was talking about what was going to have to happen. He was talking about his death, 
Peter looked at him and said, Jesus, this can't happen. It was like the moment that Peter was going, you have to be the kind of God that I say you need to be. Jesus, this cannot happen. And Jesus looked right at him. And this, this is what Jesus said, and this may sound harsh. He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And he said these powerful words. Students, I want you to hear this because look, before you make a decision to follow Jesus, a decision to call yourself a Christ follower, you have to count the cost. You have to count the cost. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Students, the challenge for you tonight is going to be this. We have some stations set up on the outside of the room. I do, this is, a lot of times we'll do these experiential things. And you'll feel pressure to do this. Do not for one moment feel pressure to participate in what we're doing tonight. We have, all through this series, we're going to have these cards that are going to be stamped, or excuse me, that have a phrase on one side, and you're going to have the opportunity to stamp radical on the other. Tonight, I want you to consider this question. There is something in your life that you need to die to, that you need to surrender and go, I'm through with this. I'm going to behave in a radical manner. I'm going to live counterculturally as of today. And some of you know exactly what that is in the moment that I just said that. And so we have these cards at these stations with these red lights. And as we're going to be, we're going to be playing music and we're going to be standing up. So you're not going to see necessarily who's moving and who's not moving. Don't feel pressure to go there. There's going to be a card there that says, Jesus, I choose to die to blank so that I might live. We want to give you an opportunity to take that card, and if you're wanting to make some kind of commitment tonight because you know that there is something you need to die to, you need to submit to the cross of Jesus. We want to challenge you to be countercultural, to be radical, and to move to these stations to grab one of those cards, to stamp the back, take it to your small group, and say, this is what I need to write on this line tonight, and this is why. So we want you to take the risk in behaving in a countercultural, a radical way. You know, I will tell you right now that, that Emily would be the first to admit that she is not a perfect human. She would be the first to admit that she has made a ton of, ton of mistakes in her life, I am sure. I would be the first to tell you the same. The writer of, of almost a probably over a third of the New Testament, Paul would tell you the same thing. He is the chief of mistake makers. We're not asking you to be perfect. We're asking you to make an attempt to live in a radical manner in the way that Jesus lived in a radical way, counter to his culture, the way Peter lived in a radical way, counter to his culture, the way that Brother Yoon lived in a radical way, counter to his culture, the way that students not just Emily, I could make a list 
are living in a radical way counter to this culture, different than your middle school, different than your high school, different than your colleges, a countercultural manner. We want to call you to that. So I'm going to pray. We're going to worship, and you will have an opportunity to respond. Father God, I pray for these students tonight. Lord, there is so much in our lives that, that we do need to die to. There's likely a long list of items that we need to submit to the cross that need to be surrendered there. Father, we're just asking tonight that our students would move on one thing, that they would move on one thing, that they would die to that one thing so that they might live, so that they would find life in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcityc.org slash students.